0: Okay, so what we're going to talk about today, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So Pastor had been talking a lot about the gifts of the Spirit last year, starting around maybe even before June. But uh, in June is when the Holy Spirit started helping me see more about uh, the importance of the body. And I know this is Healing Room, and I will get to what this has to do with healing, hopefully everything ties in very clearly at the end of uh, the message. But um, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 12, talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Is everybody pretty educated on that, that there's very many gifts of the Spirit, but it's one Spirit that provides the gifts? Perfect. Okay. So we're going to start at verse 12. And I'm going to read it (coughs) out of the Passion Translation. That's what I've been reading lately. So verse 12 says, Just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one Spirit we were immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, Oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. In fact, the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if the foot were to say, Since I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is forgetting that it is still a valid and vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, Since I am not an eye, I am not really a part of the body, it is forgetting that it is still an important part of the body. Think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eye, how could it hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different fragrances? But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required. For if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So now we see that there are many different parts and functions but one body. (coughs) Excuse me. So as I was reading that, obviously, you know, I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm not the type of person that says that if I'm a foot, I'm not going to say if I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Mm -hmm. And so the Holy Spirit was like, really? He was like, you don't think that you've ever said that? And I'm like, no, I don't think I ever have. So he reminded me of a time that uh, when I used to serve as the, I used to serve on temple ministry and not because I was chosen to do it, but because at the time the person that I was married to had been designated to overrun temple ministry and uh, not knowing then, but I know now I have an administrative gift. So as he took over that job, there was things that I noticed that needed to be done. Things needed to be scheduled. Things needed to be entered in CCB. Um, We needed to get a list of people together that were going to help. We needed to schedule everybody. And so as a helpmate, I took over unintentionally that position. So we ran that position for um, maybe a year. And then it got to the point in myself and my walk, not only with the Lord, also in my marriage, I didn't know how to navigate those waters. So we stepped down. And after that, I didn't think too much of it. You know, when you're a part of leadership, not that you purposefully are like, I'm on leadership. I'm, I am, you know, I'm on leadership, hear me roar. But you know, some, I I did. I was like, yeah, I'm on leadership. So what, it's not a big deal. But after I wasn't on it and <clears throat> I still volunteered to do um, tasks, I did think to myself, well, this is crazy. I'm just over here mopping floors. So I'm really not a valid part of the body because I'm no longer in leadership. I no longer carry a title. I'm just a layman. I'm just a worker. So the Lord helped me see... That even though I wasn't really like, hey, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a hand or I'm not a heart or I'm not an eye, I'm not a valid part of the body, but I was saying that because in my mind I was thinking, well, I'm just a person that picks up the trash. So I'm not uh, up here preaching, even though I am right now. Um, I'm not, I don't have prophetic words, you know, for somebody. I'm not, uh, I'm not the head of uh, outreach or healing room you know, so I'm really not important. I'm just a regular person. So I was invalidating my status. And I like it because Paul tells us what we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to deal with that. You know, he says, if you, if people were to say, hey, because I'm not an important part of the body, I'm really not important at all. So I'm not a part of the body. He says right here, you're forgetting that you're still a valid part and you're still necessary and you're Position and what you do, regardless of what it is, is still a vital part of the body functioning as one. So, for me, if you're taking notes, note number one would be don't think that your ministry in the body is not valid because you don't carry a title and because you're not a so called, you don't head up a ministry even though you're a helper, you're still very, very much valid. So that was the first thing that the Holy Spirit got me to see was that I had thoughts that, you know, what I was doing in the church was, wasn't enough, wasn't sufficient. Wasn't, uh, you know, if I was gone, nobody would notice pretty much. So I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'll get that now. So, um, So I just want to encourage everybody that whatever you're doing for the body of Christ, your position is valid, and we need you, and you are necessary. Yes. Amen. Okay, so moving on, um, verse 21, and this is where it's going to get really good. Amen. So verse 21 says, and I'll continue reading. It would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. And equally wrong, if the head said to the foot, I don't need you. In fact, the weaker our parts, the more vital and essential they are. The body parts we think are less honorable, we treat with greater respect. And the body parts that need to be covered in public, we clothe them. But some of our body parts don't require as much attention. Instead, God has mingled the body parts together, giving greater honor to the lesser members who lacked it. He has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern and so that there will be no division in the body. In that way, whatever happens to one member happens to all. If one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone is honored. Now, with that being said, as I'm going through this journey with the Holy Spirit and I'm learning on the gifts of the Spirit And I'm learning that the position that I have, regardless of how high exalted or how low it is, it's still a vital part. Um, He brings us to the next phase, which is we don't need to tell people that we don't need them. Now, I know that we don't walk up to people and I'm just like, Shuri, I don't need you. You know, I don't need you to function. Or Ayla, I don't need you, David. I don't need you guys to function. You know, it's um, we're not as blunt when we say that. But there are things that we do that portray that. For example, offense. How easy is it us to be offended? And the first thing that we do naturally is just step away from that person. We don't wanna be around them. We don't wanna associate with them because they hurt you. Not to say that it's not valid, they probably did hurt you But your response is what's going to determine how high you go. So for me, because I was telling the Lord, I was like, "What don't I do that? I have never told anybody, hey, I don't need you to function. You know, hey, I don't need need this to happen. But the Lord had reminded me of a situation that came up. And most of you guys in here know this. People online probably don't. I was married before. Now, I'm divorced, and I, uh, sh- I wouldn't say struggled, but I did kind of struggle for about a year trying to repair my marriage. Um, my partner at the time didn't want to be married, and he had chose a different route to take, and because I was determined that I was like, no, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to let this go easy. I'm going to stay. I'm going to fight for my marriage. For a year, I fought. I prayed. I cried. I I got people into agreement with me. I went to counseling over it. And I'm like, dude, what's happening? This is not changing. But I failed to recognize that it takes two, right? So finally, when I got to a point where I was like, okay, it's done, (coughs) excuse me, I had a friend come up to me and she asked me. She said, hey, um, why are you fighting so hard for your marriage if he doesn't want to be a part of it? You know, you're making yourself suffer for it seems to be like no reason. Why do you keep doing that? And what came to my mind was, I'm going to fight until I can't fight anymore. Because at the end of the day, if my marriage is over and it's done, it's not going to be because I didn't try. It's going to be because the other person didn't want it. And so she was kind of like, well, yeah, that's kind of, you know, that's, I mean, whatever, that, you know. And I'm like, yeah, that's I mean, just how I viewed it. So as I was reading this, you know, I'm telling the Lord, I'm like, dude, I've never told anybody that. I've never said, hey, person, I don't need you. He reminded me of that situation, that conversation that I had about Ricky. And then he reminded me about an offense that I had with a person here at church. And, uh... I can't even remember what the offense was. That's how long ago it was. But I just remember that every time I seen this person, I cringed. I was like, oh, what are you doing here at church? This is my church. And so I struggled with that for a long time. And even though I never said anything uh, to this person directly or was rude to this person, I avoided this person at all costs. I seen them walking, I beelined for the other, I was like, nope, not doing it, and um, and the Lord told me, he was like, you know, unintentionally, you're not telling that person, hey, I don't need you, to their face, with those direct words, hey, I don't need you, but because of you avoiding them, because you, um, you don't pray for them when I tell you to pray for them, because you don't interact with them, because every time you get invited somewhere, with Winners Church members, your first question is, "Hey, is da 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 coming?" You now he she was like, he goes, he told me he was like, "You are, you're telling, you're pretty much telling that person you don't need them," and I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Like that's not what I'm doing." And he was like, "Yeah," he, she was like, um, and he told me he said, "Would you have those same feelings for that person that you did with your marriage? Like, would you look at that situation the same? This person offended you." And you avoid her. Your husband did way worse. But yet you still fought and pursued and tried with everything that you had. And I said, Well, Lord, this person isn't really nothing to me. He's a person. You know, he's not my husband. He's not my wife. He's not my cousin. He's not my family. He's not my brother. He's a church member. Like, you know. And he goes, it doesn't matter. He said, what, what have I said about love? And I'm like, what in the world? What is this ha- what, love? So I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? He was like, I want you to continue reading. I said, reading what? He said, reading 1 Corinthians. I'm like, all right, I'll continue reading. So at this point, just to recap, 1 Corinthians 12. First 12 verses, gifts of the Spirit. Many different gifts, one Holy Spirit. Second point, we're all a body. Very different body parts that function in the body. Everyone has a purpose. Everybody has a part that they walk in. Everybody is vital and necessary. Point number three, we don't need to be telling people we don't need them, directly or indirectly. If we're called as members of Winter Church, we are all needed and necessary and vital, and it's time that we mature and grow up and put fences, offenses down, and learn to see that person for who they really are. So the Lord's like, okay, He's like, uh, continue, continue reading, Anna, since you're so smart and you know everything. I'm like, all right, Lord, I will. So. This is really what blew my mind, and let me make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself because I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, and it's only been twenty minutes. What in the world? What is happening? I'm telling you, like, sorry, guys. You're doing awesome. Thank you. Okay, so have we talked about that. Okay, perfect. So, moving on, First Corinthians thirteen, the love chapter. Ew, just kidding. Okay, so I'm going to read it. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I don't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than than a clanging cymbal. If I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but never, le- never learn to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owed, everything I owned, to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in the wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is the more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are partial, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. So I'm like, oh, okay, I read that right. And I'm like, well, Lord, that just confirms what I thought. Because when do you hear this message a lot? At weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is this, love is that. You hear it at weddings. uh, You guys say, I do, amen, kiss the bride. But you don't ever hear it in another setting. So I'm like, well, Lord, you know what? That just confirms what I thought. You know, he was this uh, person was nothing to me, so. And you're, you're talking about love, which everybody preaches about at marriages, so, you know. And he was like, Anna, stay within the context of what you're reading. He was like, did Paul change the subject when it went to chapter 13? Did he say, okay, now we're done talking about the body. Now we're done talking about being in unity. Now we're going to talk about marriages and love and how you need to love. Your husband and your wife, because love is patient. You need to be all this way with them. And I thought to myself, oh, Lord. Wow. Love is patient. Love is kind. Yeah, I'm patient and I'm kind when it, you know, comes to my family. But when it comes to somebody who, what I would tend to think is just a part of the body, do I have that patience with them? Do I have that type of love for them? You know? Do we? Self-examination here. It was for me, too. I'm not even playing. I was like, wow, Lord, this is, this is crazy. This is really crazy. So after I'm, I'm reading that, and I'm like, okay, Lord. I'm like, all right, so I get it. I go to Winner's Church. I'm a part of a body. I'm a part of a mission. Everybody has a job to do. We can't tell somebody that their job is not important, and we definitely can't tell somebody we don't need them. I said, okay. And then I'm called to love them like I would love a family member that I grew up with. I'm called to do life with these people like I would do for my family. You know, it, it becomes different when you think of it like that. Because I'll tell you right now, as an intercessor, I pray when we get the text messages from Miss Rhonda and she's like, hey, pray for these people. You know, I'm ashamed to say, that there are some people that I don't intercede hard for, like I would for others. You know, and I never realized that until the Lord brought it to my attention. Like, hey, you know, you're not, you're not doing this right. You can't have favoritism. You can't, uh, you can't have, um, you can't go harder for another person or labor harder with another person than you do for another person. Just because number one, you may not even have a deep relationship with them. It made me superficial, but that doesn't matter because in here it doesn't talk about how deep your relationship is. It doesn't say if, you're, if you know that person, if you're really good friends with that person, if you grew up with that person, if you know about their family. No, it doesn't say that. It says love. It says love. It says stand in the gap. It says have patience. It says be kind. Not with people that you grew up with, but with everybody in the church. like, oh my goodness. I'm like, oh, okay, Lord. So I'm like, all right. So we do that. I'm like, okay. I said, but, but what happens after that? Like, how does this tie into healing? Because I asked the Lord, what do you want me to talk about? He said, I want you to talk about that. I said, Lord, this is a healing room. How does this tie in with healing? And so he said, well, I'm so glad that you asked. I was like, great. <laughs> so just a brief recap. Okay, gifts of the spirit are many, but one spirit, right? There's a lot of different parts of the body. Everybody has a part of the body. Everybody is important, right? Okay, you cannot tell another person that you do not need them because you in fact do. One story that I forgot to say that had to do with that, oh my gosh, this is going to blow your guys' mind, Um, in telling somebody that you don't need them. So I told you guys I don't work on, I'm not leader of the temple anymore, so I just help. (laughs) <laughs> pastor had a meeting this year and got everybody together, made everybody sign a list that wanted to sign up for temple ministry, right? So we all sat over here, had our meeting. Um, Hilda took our names down. He said, Hilda's going to assign tasks for everybody. And then, you know, just kind of move on. So a couple days later, I get a notification. and It's like, ding, you have a serving opportunity. I was like, great. So I'm like, okay. I go in there. Five minutes later, ding. Ding, ding, ding. I'm like, what in the world? It's like, you have another serving opportunity. I was like, oh, this is wrong. She must have messed up. So I click on there, pops up the whole month of January. And it's like, uh, sweep floors. First, first Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday, fourth Sunday. I said, what in the world? I said, four Sundays after church? What is that? I'm like, Lord, no, I can commit to two. I'm like, I already serve in the nursery two out of the eight times that we're here, and that's a lot. And I'm like, and now you want me to sweep every Sunday? I'm like, what is this? And so the Lord was like, he said, Anna, I'm like, oh man, all right, it's coming. I'm like, yeah. He said, what would you say to your heart? If your heart said, hey, Anna, I just want to let you know that I work 24 days, or I work 365 days, 24 hours a day. And I just want to let you know that I'm only going to commit to two weeks out of the month now. Like, well, if my heart told me that, I would be like, heart, you better stop. I, you are necessary. I need you to live. You're my heart. If you quit working, I'm gonna die. And he said, "Oh, well." He said, "It's funny. It's funny that you say that." He was like, "Because that's what you're thinking right now in your response to your temple duties." Now, it might not be important. People might think that sweeping and mopping is not important. I certainly did. And I'm like, if I quit, if I don't do it one week, who's gonna know? But that's not the point. It's not the point about who's gonna know. God's gonna know. And it's the fact that. As a part of the body, commitment is what is needed regardless of what you're doing. Why? Because we know that if everybody doesn't take their role serious and doesn't perform it to the best of their ability, you're not the only one that suffers. It's the entire body. It's the entire winner's church. Because what does the Lord say? Let me read it again. He has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern, so that there will be no division in the body. In that way, whatever happens to one member happens to all. And if one suffers, everyone suffers. And if one is honored, everyone is honored. So with that being said, understand your position whatever it is that you're called to do at winter's church and run with it commit with it and know that without whatever it is that you guys do individually corporately togetherness is very needed and is very valid so when the lord when the lord showed me that in regards to my own body it changed a lot it changed the way i viewed a lot of you because now it wasn't more like, well, I'm offended at this person and what they did, so let me just stop. Let me stop associating with them. Now it was like, no, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. Why? Because I need you. I need you for, my, for me to function the way that I'm supposed to function. And if I don't have you, it hurts the body. What happens to our body, parts of our body, when, they're not, when they don't function right? You suffer. Your whole body suffers. Your, you know, people. A lot of people just went through cold or COVID or whatever they had for these past two weeks, and their immune system was down because your immune system didn't function like it's supposed to. Did you tell your immune system, "Hey, you're done. I don't need you anymore. Like I'm tired of you not working right. Like you need to, you know, you need to act up or get it or you know, get get right or get out. You know, you don't say that to your immune system." You would never tell a part, a part of your body that, right? right. What would you do instead? Go to, some people go to the doctor. Some people get on vitamins. Some people exercise. Some people do things that is necessary to help their immune system get to where it needs to be. How often times when we're offended with people do we just throw them aside? Instead of propping them up Instead of praying for them, instead of interceding for them, instead of being like, hey, I see that you're struggling. Regardless if you're telling me or not, if the Holy Spirit's telling me, I see that you're struggling. What can I do to help you? How can I help you? How can I help you get on your feet? How can I help you um, perform and be everything that you need to be? I never did that until... Holy Spirit brought some revelation on that. I was like, oh, Lord. So I was like, okay. <clears throat> so going back to how this ties into healing, because we're still talking about healing in the body. Let's go to Mark 2, 1 through 11. And this has to be one of my favorite stories. I love this story. So Mark chapter 2. And again, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation because this is my favorite. So I asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, explain to me how this deals with healing. So I'm going to talk about this on, in Healing Room. How am I going to tie this in with healing? And he was like, okay, cool. I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Mark 2. So I was like, sweet. So Mark 2, 1 through 11, okay, says, several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum and the news quickly spread that he was back in town. Soon there were so many people crowded inside the house to hear him that there was no room even outside the door. While Jesus was preaching the word of God, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. But when they realized that they couldn't even get near him because of the crowd, they went up on the roof of the house, tore away the roof above Jesus' head, and when they had broken through, they lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher right down in front of him. When Jesus saw the extent of their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, "My son, your sins are now forgiven." I said, "Wow! I'm like, I like that. I like that because number one, do you guys have? Just is just you guys don't have to answer this out loud, but do you have somebody that you trust enough?" that you walk through in this church that you're doing life with, that you can call, and not even call, I don't, I don't even know if this man asked his friends, hey, take me. You know, it could have been that his four friends seen, number one, you're paralyzed, number two, Jesus is the healer. So we're gonna take you to go get healed. And then not only that, but how oftentimes we see somebody struggling, we're like, hey, I'm gonna pray for you. I'll pray for you, my own time, my home, Lord be with them, pray for them. And then, you know, you're like, okay, well, I did my part. Well, what if their friends had said that to him? Like, hey, dude, look at this crowd. There's way too many people here. We can't get you in. We know Jesus is the healer. We know that you need healing. But we tried our best. For me, I feel like if the guy that was paralyzed was like, hey, man, I need you to take me to, to Jesus, that that could have possibly been the response of these four men. Like, hey, we tried our best. But no, these men went above and beyond. They went to the top of a roof, yeah. tore the roof apart, put their friend down in the roof. and was like, Jesus, you need to heal this man. And what did Jesus say? Jesus didn't say to the paralyzed man, oh, because of your faith, you're now healed. He looked at the four people that took, that took him there, put the effort in, and was like, because of their faith. Jesus said, Arise, my son, your sins are now forgiven. So I was like, Okay, Lord, well, how does that tie into that? And he was like, Well, you know what? You need to be in a place with the people that you're doing life with that are like minded faith, and you need to be able to do that. Not that I need to count on somebody to do that for me, I need to be that person for somebody. I need to be, I want to be that person. That if I see you struggling or if I see you down or if I see something that I can be like, you know what, Carolyn, let me take you by the hand. Put your hand on my shoulder. Let me ca- I'm going to take you to the throne room of Jesus. And I'm not going to stop until you receive your healing. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's really good. Because I'm like, Lord, like, honestly, I'm like, Lord, I don't feel like I have a lot, of, a lot of friends like that. And he was like, oh, boo-hoo, well, why don't you become one? And I was like I said well okay cuz you know that saying you reap what you sow, right? So I was like all right then, okay cool. So the next one, we're going to go to James 5:16. James 5:16. In translation, I think it's a Jacob, I think. Okay, James 5.16, it's on the board. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Amen. Amen, right? And then this ties back into having offense for somebody and avoiding them. Think about it. Jesus is like, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. So it doesn't say walk up to the person that offended you and was like, Carolyn, you offended me, so better apologize and figure it out so I could be healed. No, it says confess how you have offended one another. So I know oftentimes you don't know um, if you have offended somebody. But oftentimes you do know, because sometimes people are very transparent about it. You know, you have a relationship, a friendship with somebody, and then all of a sudden you don't. And instead of, you know, reaching out or, hey, what's going on? I haven't talked to you in a while. What is this? You know, you're just like, well, whenever they get over it or figure it out, they'll reach back out to me. And then the relationship eventually dies. So what this is saying confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. So how funny is that, that the Lord would tell you to go to somebody you offended, confess and acknowledge it, and then you guys pray for each other to be instantly healed. What in the world? Does that make sense? Because I know when I first read it, I was like, there ain't no way I'm going to go to somebody that, number one, I offended, or number two, that I'm in offense with and acknowledge it and say, hey, you know what? I want to let you know that I'm in the wrong because you said something and I, I was offended by it. And I'm just confessing it. And oh, by the way, let's pray for each other so that we could be healed. Like, Lord, what in the world is happening right now? So I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, Lord, I see you know. Moving all offense out of the way. I was like, all right, okay. So recaps. I love recaps, guys, as you can tell. So many gifts of the spirit, one spirit. Many parts of the body, one body. Every body part, every person is vital and necessary. We do not tell other people we don't need them because of offense or whatever the case may be. We need everybody in the body, right? Not only that, you are to love every member of the body like you would love your husband, like you would love your wife, like you would love your brother, like you would love your sister, like you would love your aunt and your uncle. And anybody else that, that you have a deep relationship with? So what, this, what does this do? It brings it from a surface level relationship to a very deep and intimate relationship with people that you do life with, with people of like-minded faith. This isn't people that, you know, if you're sick and I call Carolyn, I'm like, Carolyn, dude, I'm not feeling well. She's not going to be like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Go ahead and, you know, figure it out. No, Carolyn's going to be like, dude, we believe in healing. Let me pray for you. You know, these aren't people that are going to give you, um, well, they shouldn't be giving you bad advice. But, you know, if I go to Twyla, I know she's not going to lead me astray. Cherie, I know she's not going to lead me astray. Maybe somebody with younger faith might not have the knowledge that a lot of our elders and leaders do. So I recommend probably starting there. Don't, you know, go down. So okay? So I was like, all right, Lord, so so now what? So now we know so now we know how we have to treat one another and how we have to act towards one another. So now now what? And he said, well, do you want to know what will happen once the entire body gets on the same page? and does this, and you're right, I was like, well, duh, <laughs> so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read them, um, but he brought me to Acts, so Acts one, and a lot of these verses that I'm gonna tell you, it talks about, and they were with one accord, yeah, yeah. so they were in unity, so what happens when everybody learns how to, number one, not be an offense, how to love your neighbor as you love yourself, You become into you you come into unity. You come into one accord. So Acts two, one is the first time that we see that they were in one accord. In the day of Pentecost, what happened on that day? Well the Holy Spirit fell. Right? Okay. So Acts four twenty-four through thirty-one is another instance where they were in all accord. And the cool thing that happened as you read through those verses. Is that you'll see that everybody was filled with the Spirit again, okay? And then Acts five twelve. What was that last one? Um, Acts four twenty four through thirty one. And then the last one is Acts five twelve. And the cool thing about this, when they were in one accord, signs and wonders happened, miracles happened. Okay, you want to pull, can you pull that up for me, Joe, please? Just because I feel like we need to read this one, because I was like, oh, signs and wonders, power of the Holy Spirit, of course. So, um, Acts 5 21. So early that morning, they entered the temple courts and taught the people, the high priest and his officials, unaware of their supernatural release from prison coven the members of the Supreme Council, they sent for the apostles to be brought to them from prison. What? 512. Okay. I was like, well, wait a minute. That's not what I read. The apostles performed many signs and wonders and miracles among the people. Now a little bit before that talks about how they were all in one accord, but this really stood out to me because in being in one accord, we see manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We see signs, wonders, miracles among everybody. So once we learn how and, and understand how to uh, love everybody like we love our family members, we, we come into unity. And um, one thing that the Holy Spirit helped me a lot in seeing is I, I like to pray. I've always liked to pray because as a little girl, I watched my dad pray. And this is so, this is so weird.
1: Or, well, it's not really
0: weird, but my dad was a single dad. And uh, so he raised me and my brother. And I would remember him when he first started his relationship with the Lord. He wanted to pray all the time, all the time. And so he would tell me and my, my little brother, hey, come in. We're going to pray. Come to the living room. We're going to pray. I'm like, okay. So he turns the lights off. We're in pitch black. Okay. And he's like, get on your knees get on your knees, we're going to pray. So we get on our knees and we're sitting there and my dad, when he prays, he would cry. I'm looking at my brother and of course it's dark because you can't really see him. So I'm hitting him. And I'm like, dude, why is dad crying? My like, dad's literally sobbing. He's praying and he's sobbing. That's weird. And he would pray for hours, dude. Like when, I, when, the, when the Lord says, when Jesus said that he went back to the apostles and was like, I can't believe you guys are sleeping right now. I understand that, fully understand that, because I would fall asleep every time my dad would pray. And so, and then once my dad was done praying, he would be like, okay, and it's your turn. And I'm like, God bless God, and God bless Jesus, and thank you, Lord, and amen. And then, of course, my little brother. And so I grew up in prayer. I grew up with prayer my whole life. So naturally, once I became a believer, I wanted to pray. I understood the importance of seeking after the heart of God. And um, <clears throat> so I asked the Lord, I said, well, Lord, what can I do? How can I do my part in my job for the body? And he said, well, pray. I said, pray? He said, yeah, pray. And I said, well, okay. I get these text messages from Ms. Rhonda, and before I got this revelation, you know, I'd be like, hey, pray for such and so because they're not feeling well. And I'm like, Lord, be with them in the name of Jesus. And I, would, I did that for a long time. And the Lord was like, uh, after he had told me, I want you to pray, we got a text message. I can't even remember what it was. And uh, the Lord said, I want you to pray over this particular situation. So I'm like, all right. So I'm praying, and I do that kind of superficial prayer. Lord be with him, bless him, whatever they're lacking, give it to them, help them figure it out. You know, amen. And he was like, no, Anna. <clears throat> I'm like, what, Lord? He said, I want you to pray for them like you would pray for your brother. I want you to pray for them like you would pray for your father. Because if my dad was sick, I'll tell you right now, I'd drop everything, and I would go to wherever he's at, and I will pray in the spirit until I see something pop up, because that's my dad. But I wasn't doing that with my body, the people that I do life with. And so the Lord was like, I want you to start praying for these people like you pray for your family. Now, my brother's not saved. So me praying for him, it, it, it's different because I, I love my brother. So I cry out to the Lord for my brother. Like, Lord, don't let my brother die and not know you. Like, don't do it. That's my brother. Forgive him, Lord, for any sin that he has committed, Lord. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's blind. He doesn't know you, Lord. But I never would pray with that type of passion for people we would get, you know, on the prayer list. And so the Lord had told me, Anna, this is why I'm giving you this wisdom and revelation. You want to know what your part is, you want to do your part, you have to start there. Start with prayer. I'm like, all right. So it's weird. Sometimes it's really weird because the Holy Spirit will put it in to pray for some people. One time I remember I was praying for Carolyn. And... This is gonna sound like the weirdest thing. I'm praying for Carolyn and a love out like a like she, like I prayed for her like she was my wife. Like I prayed so passionately for her. Like I loved her like if she was my wife. Yeah, and I thought, what in the world is that? Like Lord, I am not, you know. And so I was like, dude, that's weird. And then it was for, uh, I had to pray for a man here at church. And I prayed for him. And the love that came out was like, he was my husband. I was like, oh, no. I was like, what is this? What is happening? I know. I'm like, ugh. And then I was like, Lord, this is too weird. Like, this is too weird for me. And of course, you guys know I have nursery because I mentioned it. So uh, whenever one of the little kids are sick, I, I, you know, I pray for them. So if I hear, you know, if I hear one coughing or whatever when I'm there, I pray for them. And I'm praying for this child. And guys, when I tell you the love, like I gave birth and held that child in my stomach for nine months. I was like, what in the world? I was like, oh, my gosh, like this. I I was, oh, my God, I'll tell you. Amen, me too. When I Y'all better get it together and figure it out because y'all know this now. So I was like, you know, and telling that I was like, okay, Lord. So I was like, thanks. So now uh, the bar has been raised in my life because of this knowledge and revelation I have. And the bar has been raised in your guys' life now because now you know. So now you can't say that you don't. So I'm like, okay. Should we do a final recap? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Number one, different gifts of the spirit, one spirit. Number two, different parts of the body, everybody has a body part. Everybody is equally important. Number three, we do not tell people of our body. We shouldn't that we don't need them. Do your best to keep offenses low and try and view every member of this church as you would view your mom, your dad, your brother. Have the same kind of patience. Have the same kind of love. Have the same kind of fight that you will. And then number three, loving them like you would love your family. Loving them like you would love your husband, loving them like you would love your wife. And what happens when we all get a grasp of this? We come into unity as a body, Holy Spirit manifests, and signs and wonders happen. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, so we're going to have an opportunity tonight to act out what we're talking about. So how many of you guys need prayer? Okay, everybody needs prayer. Listen, we ain't at the hospital where we asking people, you guys need prayer. They're like, no, or outreach. We're like, you guys need prayer. No, we all need prayer. No, you're not supposed to ask. Yeah, I know. Okay, let me say. So I want everybody to link up with somebody who is not your significant other, obviously, and get with them and pray for them for whatever it is they need, healing, financial breakthrough, whatever it is. And we'll do that for three minutes. Three minutes, is that too much? No. No, Joe, don't stop it Don't stop it, Joe. Right. Okay. (laughs) Lord my love, 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 we're walking, and we're walking, and we're walking, and we we're walking, and we're walking, and we're walking, and we and we're walking, 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 and we and that she knows <laughs> what you She's been with her in the last few days. a destination. And now she's a kid, but if she said work, she's a kid, and she's a kid. And she's a And she's a And she's a kid. And she's All right, guys, wrapping it up. All right, we're going to go ahead and seal this uh, wisdom and revelation that we received tonight. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and pray us out. And uh and then we're we're good, so Lord, we come before you again in the mighty name of Jesus God. Lord, I thank you for using me, Lord, to convey what was in your heart, God. I thank you, Lord, that uh, with this wisdom and knowledge and revelation, Lord, that you seal it on their hearts, God. On their minds, Lord, that whenever offense or anything tries to come up that has to do with any member of our church, Lord, or even people that are not members, Lord, whenever any offense tries to pop up or the enemy tries to come in and cause division among your people, God, I just pray that you remind them supernaturally by your Holy Spirit how valuable and how valid that person is for the their personal ministry, Lord, that they are walking out with you. God, I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we had to pray for our fellow brothers and sisters today lord i thank you that miracles and signs and wonders are going to abound lord because we are coming into unity lord with your word and with each other lord we thank you and we praise you we we thank you in advance god for everything that you're doing for wisdom for knowledge for revelation lord in that that this revelation doesn't just start here, Lord, but it will increase and it will grow as we spend time with you, Lord, and as we ponder what we've learned today and as we roll it around in our minds, God, I thank you that you're revealing areas in our life, Lord, that, um, that we're going to open the door and allow you to come in and fix for us, God. So, Lord, I thank you that supernatural divine healing is coming upon everybody, Lord, that that hears and listen to this word, God. Your word says that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed, Lord, and that we don't have to suffer sickness or disease because Jesus has already taken care of that for us. So, God, I thank you when the enemy comes in like a flood, that you come in, Lord, and you raise that standard against him. So, Father God, I thank you. For everything that you're doing for us, Lord, I thank you for financial breakthrough that's happening in in every area, in every area of our lives, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, we worship you. Amen.